0: Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 809 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday morning. Another fun show for you today. Uh, As you probably saw in the description, we have Tower Jones back for the first of two parts. Tyler's always fun to talk to, to. we always have fun conversations, and you have something coming to you momentarily with Tyler. I do want to plug, real quickly, a two-part episode that I did with Jackson Frank, the first of which posted on Friday, and then the second part on Monday with regard to the NBA draft, first with some Hawks options at number six overall, and then Monday's podcast talking about the top five, how that might unfold, what we would do, etc., etc., to set the stage for Atlanta's own picks. If you missed any of that, Jackson's very smart about the NBA draft, go back and check that all out and uh, please subscribe to the show. There is one piece of semi-news that I wanted to pass along to you that dropped on Monday via Sham Serania of The Athletic, and he reported in his uh, Inside Pass column that the Hawks and Vince Carter, quote, have had preliminary discussions on a role for him with the team, end quote. Now, he does say, in the next sentence, that nothing is imminent between Carter and the Hawks, and he also made sure to note that Carter is continuing to look to uh, broadcasting as his next step, which has been the widely assumed path. Of course, Vince has the podcast already with Annie Finberg, and also Vince was has been seen on Turner already and has done some game stuff in the past, etc. He is going to be a good broadcaster in the future if he's not already one right now. Alas, though, there is a path. Of course, the Hawks do like Vince Carter quite a bit. They brought him back for a second season, etc. And this is not a huge surprise to me that at least the two sides have had preliminary, preliminary discussions about a role in the front office or in, or, or maybe even the player pl- development staff, etc. Um, obviously, the Hawks don't like have a, a, a huge job open right now. Like they're not gonna, Vince is not going to take over for Travis Lank or be on the uh or be on the bench. But Vince is certainly suited to a player development role if you wanted to be in if you wanted to be in that sort of thing long term. He's beloved by players. He's very smart about the game, and I could see him being in that more hands on role. Or if you want to transition to the front office potentially uh, in sort of a secondary role, consultant role early on, and see what happens there. That would not blow me away either. So the relationship there is strong. It's always been strong. So no big surprise there that the Hawks He's talking to Vince about this. Ultimately, I would guess, this is not sourced at all, I would guess that he's still a broadcaster, primarily in the near future, but crazier things have happened, and the Hawks have uh, a pretty interesting franchise to be trying to work with right now. And obviously, he's been around, and he's already invested in some of the young guys, having worked with him the last two years, and uh, him and Lloyd Pierce get along famously as well. So there you go on that. Vince could be around. I know he's beloved uh, with Hawks fans, etc., and he should be as a future Hall of Famer, bet he is. Okay, with that out of the way... I just want to tell you now, we did save the <laughs> the lottery discussion with Tyler and I, mostly for part two. There's a little bit in part one, but there's some general NBA stuff, some Sixers reactions, some Hawks offseason workout stuff, and generally a fun conversation as always. I want to tell you now, nothing's really changed, but we re- we recorded this on Sunday, and uh, I decided to hold it for 40 to, I guess, for 30 hours or so. Nothing's really changed other than Brett Brown officially being fired. I think I made a reference to him as a dead man walking in this podcast that you're about to hear. Uh, We did not know that he was fired at that point in time. That was definitely uh, coming down the pike. So there you go on that. Keep that in mind throughout. And part two will be here tomorrow. But without further ado, I want to get to our show sponsors for today, and then we'll get to Tyler. But the first of sponsors is cbdmd.com. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or if you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. And luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. First, CBD Freeze with menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or a shareable squeeze tube. From there, CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like vitamin B6 to give you the support that you need where it matters most and to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else that CBDMD has to offer. They're offering all of our listeners 25% off the next order if you use the promo code MBA at checkout. Once again, that is CBDMD.com promo code MBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD.com. Today's podcast is also sponsored by the good folks at rockauto.com. And one reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can use for other important things like paying the mortgage or putting food on the table. And with that said, why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the exact same parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? Instead, you have access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket. It's a much better option. Whether it's for your daily commuting car or a joyride on the weekends, rockauto.com has everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door stores sometimes have different prices for pro mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but at rockauto.com, prices are the same for everybody, and they're always the lowest prices possible. The rockauto.com catalog is also very easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your car and choose the brands, the specs, and the prices that you prefer. rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or an account login of any kind. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always low and always the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers, so why spend it up to twice as much for these same exact auto parts? Go to rockauto.com. Right now, it's see all the parts available for your car or your truck. From there, you want to write locked on in there. How did you hear about us, box? So they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And now, a conversation with the great Tyler Jones. Tyler, welcome back to the podcast. It's not been so long this time around, but I'm calling you back into service, and I appreciate you coming on.
1: Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, you told me I was going to be back on once the lottery, you know. Here we are. Once their place in the lottery got found out. And so, here we are. Uh, It's good to be back. Um, Sucks to be a Sixers fan at the moment, I would imagine, because they just got swept out of the playoffs. uh, And they got problems. So, like, (laughs) I don't know as somebody like so here's the thing like I I enjoyed the Sixers process it's unfortunate that everybody and their mother is going to say the process failed and all that jazz when it was working fine when they had the original GM and then he got fired but like the Sixers are why ownership is so important that ownership stay on the path Uh, you know if you want to tie it back to the Hawks you know, wrestler, you know, wrestler's got to stick with Schlenk's plan. Cause you know, for better or for worse, uh, Schlenk's, it Schlenk is his top head guy. And he's got to let him do what he wants to do in order to build the best team possible. And cause like what, what you're seeing with the Sixers now is what happens when, when you let outside pressures get in the way of, you know, proper team building.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Obviously Philly's, a pretty big story at the moment like brett brown looks to be uh as we're recording this looks to be dead man walking we're all assuming that's going to be the case i think um and you know that they didn't have simmons and all that but y- your point is a good one about the process and you know the hawks never went full 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 sam hickey process they never got to be that bad for that long and didn't tear it well, down all claimed, that far they,
1: they claimed to not get that now and they did i mean the honestly plan.
0: there were certain things where they could have gone further in and i was someone who advocated for the rebuild and i think that i still would have at this point but you know they, they stopped just short i do think that they did a lot of very clear rebuilding things like using cap space to take on bad money and you know all the rebuilding tropes they followed them they, they just didn't go you know, no one's ever gone as far as Philly and the Hawks didn't either, but they were they were in that vein. So that speaks to it. And your point is a good one, like ownership basically didn't let the process play itself out. And you know, the good thing, if you want to go good versus bad, the process well they they the whole point of that was to have all these multiple swings and that it was on a full display. You know, the Sixers missed Angelo four They missed on Markel Fultz, they missed on Nerolins Noel relatively And yet they still, because they had so many bites of the apple, they still have two stars in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And, like, that's the whole point, is to get two guys like that. And now they don't fit very well together, all that stuff. We'll talk about that if we want to. But in the middle of it, they just, like, cut the cord on the process and changed the regime. And ever since then, essentially, there's not been a whole lot of great personnel moves happening there, like, Elton Brand is my guy. I love Elton Brand. Elton Brand's done a pretty bad job as
1: the GM. Yeah, I've, but this is this is where – so I was listening to, you know, the rights to Ricky Sanchez, Sanchez guys. They're a Sixers podcast. Shouts sh- uh, sh-
0: to sh- 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 those guys. It's uh, legendary. Spike,
1: Spike, you know, Spike Eskin, um, you know, he's he's got fairly insider stuff on on the Sixers, you know, how the team operates. And he, he laid it out pretty bad. They They hired Elton Brand because he wouldn't – because they didn't want to fire anybody else in the organization. Like they didn't want to fire Colangelo's guys. So they basically hired Elton brand to be a figurehead for, for that organization. Like it, where ultimately nobody knows who has final, you know, final say on what should or should not be done. It's, it's like, they're a team ran by committee. Uh And like, you saw how that worked with that with the Hawks, where they claimed to be a committee, but ultimately all the decision making process went with Mike Budenholzer Um when that process, quote unquote, for the Hawks <laughs> failed. Yeah. But for the Sixers, it's like they they stopped having a plan. Like they clearly after they let Colangelo go, even even Colangelo had a semblance of an idea of how to build the team. But then they let him go and they didn't they hired just somebody to really be over everybody else, Colangelo's guys. And like that, that process didn't work like they, I mean, there's so many moves they made that, uh, I mean, it's tough. It's tough to look at a team that once had Dario Saric, Robert Covington, you know, on it. And, you know, now it's, they, they basically traded those guys for Tobias Harris and Al Horford. And like, well, Al Horford's in his mid thirties now, and Tobias Harris is a power forward. plays, but plays the same position as Ben Simmons. We we've talked about we have. the Sixers' lack of fit before, but like the roster just doesn't make sense. They have no they have no real shooting around no. either Ben I mean, Simmons they, or Joel Embiid.
0: It's, it's it's not this simple, but when four of your five like proven NBA players are power forwards and centers. That
1: doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, and I mean, Brad, Brett, Brett, for whatever reason, Trey Burke didn't work in Philly and now he's in Dallas cooking on, on a <laughs> junk contract, giving guy, them Trey. all the shot making they can have and more that yeah. the Sixers desperately need from the point guard position. They have no guy. They have nobody who does what Trey Burke does and they let him go in large part, it, like there's there's a there's a bundle of issues. I think one of the bigger ones with me is that you know if you want to ask why didn't Trey Burke work in Philly, and you know in the sense that he like he was basically unplayable for him, but they everything they do is centered around Joel Embiid in the post, and to me, I think that limits their upside as a team they'd be much better if Embiid took a lesser offensive role. But like, I mean, Embiid's, I I mean, I love Embiid, but he's so coddled now and he, like everything, the entire universe has to revolve around Embiid. And it's like, I just don't know if the periphery talent can really develop how they need it to develop in order to be a championship caliber team. I I don't know. I don't know. It's, Philly's got a lot of questions. Um, they they're gonna they they might fire everybody and put a for sale sign. <laughs> who, who knows? Like I mean, this why, is not, hey, obviously not obviously not
0: is not not locked on Sixers, but it's really interesting and like it's one of the bigger stories in the league. And honestly, this is a small part about why why we want to talk about this a little bit at the beginning. Um, you know, I mentioned this. I think it was last week or maybe two weeks ago that Ben Simmons has been a popular mocked trade target to the Hawks. I even saw some Joel Embiid Hawks trades flying around today on Twitter. Uh, again, this is not a rumor at all. It's just kind of funny, and uh, both those guys are good. And eventually, people are assuming that they're going to move on for one of these guys. But in, in general, it's not even just that they have they have real decisions to make and about like the direction of the franchise. It's not like one move away because of the roster. It's both expensive and it doesn't make sense. And when you get when you get swept in the first round of a playoff series, and I, I know they didn't have Simmons, but honestly he wasn't going to change that series. Maybe they would have won a game if they had Simmons, but they weren't winning that series without, even with
1: Simmons. So it's Brad, like they are not talented. They they've got Embiid and they got Simmons plus talents everybody else. Yeah,
0: I mean, obviously it's just the, the guy. The, like, there's, Tobias, there's lots of Tobias original Harris sins.
1: Is, Tobias right. Harris is fine, but he's No, not I somebody mean, somebody you should be paying like they they're paying him
0: max money. Well, that's one be, of the one of the original sins is the fact that um they traded for Tobias Harris because they traded this massive haul for him. They overpaid in the trade, not like comically, but it was a, it was a, a, certainly a, a sort of an all-in trade for Tobias Harris. And once they did that, they just announced basically to the entire world that we we're going to resign Tobias Harris, and their and his agent knew it, and they had no leverage. They they couldn't let him go because they had just gave up two first rounders and Landry Shamit to get Tobias Harris. And Harris's agent played it correctly to his credit, and was just like, "Nah, man, give me all the money because they couldn't lose him." And once that happens, now you're stuck with Tobias Harris, who's like pretty good. Tobias Harris is a pretty good player, but he's not five five years, one hundred eighty million dollars worth of player. And then Al Horford too. Like Al Horford, I think is still pretty good, but if Al Horford's trying to try to play power forward for you in his mid thirties, that's not going to work. It's just like Al Horford's been a center for a decade. He's he's even more of a center now than he used to be. Like that's not something. I mean, they, they they just overreacted to the one series with a, with Embiid last year and how bad they were with, with him off the court. And I get it, but the solution to that was not to give Al you know a four year deal at huge money to be like yeah suddenly you have an awesome backup center in those ten minutes that Joel Embiid's not playing, but everything else, what are we doing here? So again, it's not like a one move away. If I was them, I probably wouldn't trade one of the big two guys.
1: Me, but me either. I think that it's too early. It's too early for that. And but they they're going to have to find a way to clear cap space, and they they have to find a way to retool this roster in order to fit better. They need more shooting. And, I mean, they they need more talent around the periphery. Like, like bottom line to me, I'm like. He's got like Shake Milton. I know that's your boy, but Shake <laughs> Milton's not a starter no. caliber point guard. No, right. but I, I I'm, but I'm I, saying I Shake not, I'm, for a yeah. championship caliber team.
0: No, he need better. Even the even as like one of the founding members of the Shake Milton Hive. I love Shake Milton. Shake Milton is not supposed to be your starting point guard. That's not that's not what he is. <laughs> Shaq Milton is, like, a guy I've always liked as, as a value piece that, like, fills in the gaps and it's like, playing a really small role, and suddenly Philly had him, like, running their offense. That's not what he is. He's, like, a 3-and-D role player, and that's not what they were letting him be. So, yeah, I mean, we can go over this ad nauseum, but the Sixers are in a weird spot. I know Hawks fans are excited to do fake trades about him being Simmons. I, I don't blame them at all, but uh, I doubt it. I doubt it's going to happen. I just want to make sure we talk about it. I doubt, it, was, it. I doubt okay. it
1: for two reasons. One, I don't think the Hawks are ready to make that type of commitment just yet. Um, you know, Travis Slank kind of, everybody and their mother, not named Travis Slank, is talking about the playoffs. And Travis Slank's like, whoa, slow your horses, guys. We yeah. Just, you know,
0: I mentioned that on the, on the show I found, the other I found that night because, I, I, yeah, I mentioned that on the show. I mean, that's a good transition point back, back into the Hawks. Uh, yeah, I mean, Lloyd famously during last season. Started mentioning the playoffs and sort of just like kind of announced it in the middle of a practice one day. It was kind of interesting. And then the players, you know, players always want to make the playoffs. So that's not a big surprise that players want well, I mean, to on that. Players want
1: to make the playoffs this season. Of
0: course. We and that's know, not, I mean, and by the way, cares. coaches and players always want to win. This is one of the founding things that I've been talking about forever on this podcast is that even when you're rebuilding, coaches and players want to win games. No one likes losing. Like no one likes losing. And that includes the head coach, that includes all the players. So, but to your point about Travis, yeah, I mean, he got asked in, a, I would say, three or four different ways in that post-lottery availability about, like, you know, how does this change, like, with, with the goal of the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera, and he, and he always kind of batted that around and was like, nah, I'm, I'm not doing that. I mean, he didn't say that is that explicit, but it was very noticeable to everyone on that call, and a lot of us tweeted about it, like, Travis was not... Accepting the premise of the question with regard to the playoffs, um, I think obviously they want to be better next year, but he intentionally did not uh, say that on the record. And that's, I think, a smart thing for someone who's in his position, Uh, setting expectations that firmly if you're Travis Slank is a way to get yourself in trouble as well, because if you don't meet them, that comes back on you especially after this year where everyone kind of agrees that he didn't really give them a roster that was winnable this season. And uh, that wasn't the goal necessarily either. They knew what they had, at least in theory. And they were more modest. Well, they their... didn't,
1: they, they again, didn't, you know, they, they didn't know that Trey Young was this good.
0: Well, that's what I mean. Like they, they, yeah. they, they, they knew that they were not trying to make the playoffs not last year. That That's kind of where I, where I was going is that, yeah, you're right. If they, maybe if they had known that Trey was going to make that leap and that John would be better, et cetera, et cetera, they would have pushed harder. But before last season started, Travis was not going out and saying this is a playoff team. They, their projections did not indicate that, and they kind of knew what they were supposed to be entering last season. Um, but again, one of the reasons, one of the things that you that you do not want to do as a GM who is in charge of a roster is to come out before the draft and before free agency when there's so much uncertainty and say playoffs are bust. He's not going to say that.
1: Yeah, I mean it just. It, you know it was just it, it was interesting language cu- coming from Travis Lance a guy who doesn't actually do much real politicking in terms huh. of his press conferences he tends to tell it straight and at so least seems, at least
0: straighter than a normal than a normal gm yeah. i mean every gm has to play there are some spots where not even the most candid gms will tell you things into a microphone that they probably mean but on the scale of gms i would say to this point travis is definitely more candid than an average gm
1: yeah, but you know, he he kind of just was like, no. I mean, we plan to get better, and that's basically it. Now, internally, they're trying to make the playoff because the East is pretty bad, and Trey Young is going to shoot somebody well, if they're yeah. not winning games next year. It's that com- that I, he combination. Might mur- <laughs> he might murder somebody. There's that he combination in a murder.
0: You have a you have a star who is very competitive, and that's a good thing. That Trey is competitive, and he wants to win. And you also, like you mentioned, have a pretty low bar to clear in the East. I know, like Brooklyn, obviously is going to get KD and Kyrie, and that they'll be good. But then you still don't so Listen, I can't.
1: I, I don't even want to purview the other teams in the East Conference. Hawks. No. to worry about themselves. Agreed. And-
0: I'm just saying the bar is not super high. <laughs> yeah, agree. in theory, to clear to make the playoffs next year, it's it's more like if you go out and build a 500 team, that probably makes the playoffs. I,
1: I guess the tough the tough team the tough thing, and I think we talked about this before, but the tough thing with this team is that while Trey Young and John Collins and I said this, Trey Young's rookie year that you know those two were ready to win now, but. The rest of the Roth like Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter, and Cam Reddish, like those three guys aren't yet, right? You know, they haven't had – Cam Reddish is the closest one who's had plus-plus level of sustained play over a period of, what, 15 games where he was really, really good and maybe less than 15 games. And, like, Herter has been kind of up and down, but more or less around the same, and DeAndre Hunter – you know, he, he, DeAndre Hunter is an interesting player. Like I go, I, I don't know what to make of him. In large part because he should be a lot better defensively than what he was last year, and so hopefully, you know, you're being you're like you're banking on improvement from those three guys because those three guys improve. This is a playoff team, no question. Like if they're actually good, instead of like good for their age or good for well, and especially or sophomores.
0: Especially if they, if Schlank, as people are assuming, and rightly so, I think, as long, as long as he surrounds the young guys with like some competent veteran talent, like that's the assumption that everyone is making, and, and I totally get why. Because, you know, even if the young guys make the jobs that they're supposed to make, Uh, you still have to have more than six guys in your team. And that was really the problem that we all talked about last year is that they didn't have veteran talent that made any sense. And, you know, that's the thing about this year. We don't know yet what they're going to be doing in free agency or in trades that are not free agency. But I think everyone is going to assume until we don't see it that the Hawks will add some competent supporting players that that they didn't have last year. I mean that's like the baseline but if that happens and what you said happens is that the young guys get better that's the recipe it doesn't have to be anything super fancy like you mentioned before that you're not sure the Hawks are going to go like sort of go along with a big trade they don't have to go along with a big trade i think they're they could that wouldn't like blow me away if they did the fabled consolidation trade but even if they don't do that just surrounding the young guys with some competent players is going to be a lot of uh Sort of, the, I would say half the battle is like a way to put that. It's obviously you need more from everybody not named Trey and John, but Click Capella is already one big step along the way, and then you throw in you know two or three, four competent rotation players that they're gonna that they're going to acquire in some way, whether it be free agent signing, maybe your draft pick, etc. You know that's that's the recipe. It doesn't it doesn't have to be a trade for Ben Simmons or a trade for, you know, Donovan Mitchell or something. It doesn't have to be that. It's, it could just be little little incremental things that also rely on your on your young guys getting better.
1: Agree. I, and you know the Hawks again. You know they 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 have so much cap space. I think Schlank is probably going to target. Either expiring contracts on one year deals for, or um, trying to sign guys to one year deals, just due to how weird this you know free agency <laughs> is going to be. We like there's just so many unknowns with. Yep. With really everything, like we don't even we don't even really know when the draft is. They they moved it. Didn't they move it to October 16th? <laughs> on, yeah, like, it was it was moved and,
0: it was moved to the 15th originally. Then they slid it to the 16th because of the scheduling. There was an NFL game and, and there's also a presidential debate that night. So they slid, they slid it back a, a day. And now there is all kinds of buzz that the draft of free agency could be moving back. As we record this, we're recording this on Sunday night, so keep that in mind. But um in the coming days, it's not going to surprise anyone if they push the draft and free agency back even more because of what you just said about the uncertainty. Like teams do not want to have the draft because of all the trades that happen around the draft. You you do not want to have the draft without knowing what 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 the cap's going to be for next year. It just makes life really hard on GMs because that's that's a big time spot. It's one of the major nights of the year for trades, and GMs are not going to want to make trades if they don't know what the cap is. That's just kind of the simple way to put it.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I, it, it's it's so hard. I'm like, I'm trying to build this theoretical team, but I, you know, we're we're so blind. I I think we can only do all we can do is be like. What does this Hawks team need to be better? Yep. Well, they got better front court play. I would actually argue it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to look for another quality big man. Whether that guy is already on the roster, uh, like b c a or you know somebody who's young, or maybe even think about Christian Wood who might make some sense. Um, he's he's going to get too much money. I mean – That's fair, but, I mean, I would – if He would
0: I, help you, but – he would help you for sure, but I, I think there's going to be a team that pays him starter money, and
1: you, you can't do that, I don't think. Agree, agree. But I, I would – you know, I, I think I would – if I were, you know, so like I would look because, like, Deadman's a good player when he's healthy. Like, he's always – there's always something wrong with Deadman. I would not go into the season. <laughs> yeah having Dwayne Debman be my third big man if I'm trying to be a better basketball team like I think they're I think,
0: they, I think I think they I think to your point they're gonna sign or acquire someone else in the front court it might be a a lower profile guy like Scal it could be something like that or they could invest somewhere else in there but you know I'm with you it, it kind of depends on their investment level in Bruno if they still believe that Bruno can be what they drafted him to be after a year, and I don't know that to be sure. Um, they might just roll with Bruno as the third center. And honestly, it does give you some more leeway because John Collins can play center if you need if you need him to. Uh, and Deadman is obviously an overpaid backup, but an awesome backup center. If, if, if Deadman's your backup center, you're in great shape as long as he's playing. Uh, yeah,
1: the, yeah, I mean, the only, the only thing, my only real worry with Deadman is, is availability. Well, him um, and Capella not, too.
0: I mean, Capella's not like the most I, durable guy in the world. Like he's not been I hurt disagree. too Capella much.
1: Capella was fair. Capella was old. It was pretty damn durable for that Rockets team until they literally ran him into the ground. Like he.
0: Yeah, I should have said it differently. I, I'm more. I'm more mean that there is some uncertainty with Capella based on his health at this moment, and then you combine that with Deadman, who even when he was at his best was like a sixty game per year player. And the nightmare scenario is that they're both out at the same time. Like and that's where you get into some real trouble. If they have I mean, if you
1: want to talk about what's crunched the Hawks the last couple of years, <laughs> injuries. Big men. It's injuries to their big men. John it's, Collins two years at ago. At the same time, has absolutely killed them. It, and it start. It's honestly started since they started the rebuild three years ago, when John Collins got hurt, Dwayne Dedmon got hurt at the same time. Like they've had it. They've been fairly unlucky in regards to. Particularly their big, because if they have healthy big, like when they when you don't have healthy good quality big men, it's just so hard to get stops on defense. And we saw it this past year, you know, where where they it, it, it was a tire fire defensively, but it was like you know Damian Jones wasn't giving them a chance, <laughs> and Alex Lynn oh, Alex was hurt. Again, and it's like I like I like Alex Lane, but like availability is so important. Like they need guys who are going to be healthy and available. And that's also
0: that's also the reason why people have pushed back on on this with me in the past about them getting another big man. Like you know, listen, they already have X X and X. I'm like, yeah, I know. Like I'm not saying they they need to make a huge investment at center right now. They don't. But I I think if you just look around the league and look around at what Travis has done in his recent in his first few years on the job they usually have five guys on the team who can play center at the beginning of the year. And right now they have four. So that means you're going to have one more somewhere, whether it be Scal or somebody else, they're going to sign or acquire someone who can play center, especially especially because one of the guys who can play center is also the starting power forward. So they just need one more body. It's not that big of a deal, but you know, there are spots where bringing it all back full circle, you mentioned about how, how it's really hard to like build the roster. That's one of my huge, issues right now and like people always want to ask me what the rotation is going to look like. I'm like I don't know, man. Like you got to tell me who is going to be on the team. Um but they we all know what they desperately need and then there's stuff that they could certainly add. Like they obviously have to add someone in free agency or the draft that can that can handle the ball in the backcourt. Like they're not going to go in, they're not going to go in the season with Trey Young and Brandon Goodwin as the only point guards. That's not going to happen. There's one more there. Probably one more big and then obviously they need in my opinion, they need, they need two or more like guys who can shoot on the perimeter, uh, on the wing, preferably, but um, at least one at a bare minimum. You need you need a guy who is a rotation caliber, high level shooter. But I mean, there's right now they only have a small handful of guys under contract. Like that's the thing about projecting the off season, is that even when you plug in, if you just assume, and we'll get to this later on on part two, even if you, if you just assume, the Hawks make their draft pick at six, and they take a guy who is positions somewhere between the one and the four. Like we'll take the center off right now for right in a second. They add one more perimeter ish guy to the roster via their lottery pick. They still have to add five, six, seven more guys to this team in some form or fashion, whether it be trade or, or for agency. So again, trying to build, like we know who a lot of the, a lot of the faces are, they're going to be on the court. It's the core, the core six guys. We know about them. And basically everything else other than Dwayne Dedman and Bruno Fernando is up in the air, which is kind of crazy. But that's what happens when you have a team that on purpose try to create flexibility for itself. And it has a ton of flexibility, but that also leads to a lot of uncertainty. And that goes from the draft to for agency to trades and whatever else. Like, it's really hard to figure out how good this team is going to be next year until you fill those gaps in.
1: Agree. And so that's why it's like, and that's why Schlink is like, well- you know, trying to ease up on the playoff expectations, Pierce and others, the players expect him to go acquire those good basketball players that they need. Yep. But, you know, until he does that, he's not going to put, he's not going to put his, you know, his stamp, his seal on it or whatever. But, um, yeah, it it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I you know, I, to me, considering everything that's going on, the Hawks, I, I I don't know about you. I think the Hawks are in a great position. Um. Yeah. To to build a really strong basketball team, like really good. I I said it was possibly the best team since, um. You know, their sixty win season, and they were actually pretty good. You know, they were solid the next year, but
0: yeah, they won. They won forty eight the next year after that. But and I, I also think, they I good think they can,
1: but but Brad, I think they can build a quality team like that. It won't cost either much money because I mean, it won't cost assets other than cap space, and not like. You know, not like, you know, cap space for extended periods of time. Like, I'm pretty sure they want to be players in the 2021 offseason. Yep. Um, But they have, but because they have so much cap space now, they can kind of loan their cap space out to um, teams that are trying to, you know, save salary and get a good, good basketball player for that. One one guy I I talked about who would be a perfect fit um, for this team is Gordon Hayward. Now, I said all that before I realized. He was going to make $35 million It's a lot of money you know, With a 15% trade kicker too So that'd be I, I did the math he, he, So to get Gordon Hayward It cost $39 million To acquire Gordon Hayward To which case I respond the, the Celtics are going to have to come up Off some draft picks or something Or Because the Hawks don't have bad salary to trade And they, and
0: they you know, probably I think, won't I mean, that's The thing about Boston is that uh, Boston's still going to be trying to win, so they're not going to give Absolutely. up assets to get off of him. I don't think so. It's one of those things where, yeah, it'd be fun. Uh, you were hoping, if you were an observer, maybe that he would opt out, but once it got once it got hurt, that was not happening. So yeah,
1: nah, thirty five million dollars. He's going to take the money. It's um, long,
0: but anyway, I mean, it's it's back to what you were saying. It's I don't know the forty eight win team from fifteen sixteen is like a really high bar, but at the same time, there's so much that could happen to this team in the next few months that when you pair like the best case offseason scenario, you pair that with Trey young, John Collins, Clint Capella and development from at least two of those, of those three young wings. That that's a good basketball team in theory. Uh, I wouldn't obviously right now. I think it's very, uh, smart to think that the the Hawks will not be as good as that 48 win team next year as a baseline because you just have to have so much go right for you but it's not impossible like this 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 team could be very good next year if the things go correctly between roster building injury luck another jump from the young guys etc and that's uh it's just really hard because when the range is like 30 wins to 48 wins <laughs> like right now standing here today the range is that wide It just is because of what we what we've seen. Like one injury to Trey, and you're in deep trouble. Uh, Or if you don't really build the team correctly, like last year, and you have a bunch of bad veterans around you, there's a lot of ugliness there too. So it's not fun or sexy to like be like to literally throw your hands up in the air. I'm shrugging right now as I talk to you, but I I just don't know what they're gonna do. I
1: have no idea. Here's here's my here's my counter to that. It's just. Like, I'm, I'm watching the playoffs, and, I, you know, you just see how important shooting is. Yep. It's, and how, just how big of a weapon being able to have bigs who can make three-pointers from the top of the key instead of the corner. Just having shooting overall, honestly. Yeah, but even that, that in particular where you have to drag the big man out in such a way that there is no rim protection anymore. And so now it's just do you have guys that can beat somebody off the dribble to get a layup? Like a lot of the playoffs have kind of boiled down to a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of driving, kick, basketball, really basic stuff because bigs are just getting pulled further and further out, out of the paint, and like John Collins was, jump shot made such an improvement. That's why I really think this this little training camp they got. It's only two weeks. Is going to be really vital for certain guys like.
0: I was going to ask you, so let's talk about this now for uh, to sort of wrap up part one. Like, what do you think about this? Because we knew a little bit last time we talked on the podcast of what was probably going to come down. But now we know it's officially going to be this essentially one-week ramp up and then a two-week-ish uh, training camp of sorts. Now, it's voluntary. We don't know who's going to be there. But I'm assuming, again, this is an assumption. This is not sourced information. I'm assuming that most of the young guys are going to show up for this. Um, I don't know if they will but I'm assuming they are. And if you get those guys on the court together, that is, uh, I would say helpful when compared to not having anything at all.
1: Yeah. Um, they, I mean, I, I, it's, I think it's a fairly safe assumption to assume the guys who are going to be on the team next year who are under contract are going to be at this training camp. If for no other reason in that, what, what else, what, what else are they going to do? Like these, the, <laughs> it's it's an opportunity to play basketball, and yeah. I hope it's so. I know I hope it's like either streamed or televised somewhere because I I need to watch something, hot of Fame.
0: Everyone's yeah. been asking me, and I I, ha- I have zero insight on whether it will be available even for me to watch, much less like the the world. uh There's no info on like media or anything like this at this point in time, and it's going to be a bubble, so I don't think I'm going to be allowed to go in. uh Maybe some Zoom stuff, we'll see. But uh that's a question that I keep getting asked, and I, I wish I could answer it for everybody, but I just I have no idea.
1: Yeah, so hopefully, you know, hopefully we get something. But, like, I, you know, we want to see if Bruno is ready to be that fifth big man or if, you know, I, I wouldn't suspect because Scow, like, I mean, this this really sucks for Scow. Like, Scow, Scal, Scow BCA who I think, again, I thought he was pretty good for the Blazers and they could really use him right now um, at the moment. <laughs> um, so thanks, thanks for trading him for nothing. But, but like, Scout can't really – he's had no opportunity to really up his, you know, his market, free agent market, so I would assume he's there. And if he shows out and plays well, you know, during his training camp, maybe the Hawks sign him to a fairly cheap contract, right? You know, or, you know, they see real improvement from um, – you know DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, and Kevin Herter. Maybe that changes what they do in the draft or free agency. Like it's, it's a lot. Like they they want to see these guys if they've made real development, and it's also a good opportunity to see them play real five on five basketball against real NBA players. And like, there's not going to be stakes, but these guys like playing basketball. Like that's that's the thing. They're at the age like they're not. We're not the Warriors. Like there's nobody nobody in their 30s who's. Really, just trying to get ramped up for whenever the regular season starts. Like this is a this is a young team that wants to play that want to show how how much better they did to the organization to the team. They um, have two vets. I
0: mean, they, they 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 quite literally have two veterans under contract right now. Two.
1: And they got us. They got and like to me, Brad. This this training camp like gives them an opportunity to really experiment with stuff. Like experiment with Trey Young off the ball. Experiment with John Collins bringing the ball up the floor. Like I think there's there's some stuff they can do uh, that they that they can try during this time frame, and while it's not a real game setting, like you know you you can you can measure the skill development and see okay this might work this might not work, and you know make some decisions in free agency and a draft off of that. So I think I think it's you know this is going to be pretty invaluable. If for no other reason, just to, you know, get, get these guys playing in a relatively safe environment instead of what they're doing now, which is, you know, just playing at, you know, random events that go up on YouTube every once in a while.
0: Yeah. I mean, just having them play is a big thing. We've all, we've all talked about it, but it is going to be interesting. I think the Hawks benefit uh, more than maybe any other delete team about how, what's going to happen there. So uh, we'll see. I will obviously update people as we know who's going to come and, what it's going to look like, but uh, I tend to agree that my assumption is the young guys will be there, um, they enjoy playing basketball, and uh, that's a good place to play basketball. I know it's like they have to go to a bubble, so it's not like the most convenient thing in the world, but uh, they've also not been doing much for the last five months, so a, a smaller, it's definitely a sacrifice, that's, that's something I don't that I don't want to overlook, is that it is a sacrifice to not be able to do anything and be in a bubble for three, four weeks. That's a long time, even if it doesn't seem like it, but uh, I'm assuming they're going to be there too, so... We will obviously talk more about that as it comes, and I might, I might make you the bubble correspondent. So if we get, if we get access, I'll probably, I'll try to hook you up and give you some live thoughts. On,
1: yeah, <laughs> on that yeah, I, I'd, I'd be down for it. You uh, <laughs> know, as long as it's not during work hours. But uh,
0: uh, yeah, no, we'll, we're, all, we're, we all fighting the good fight on, uh, on day job stuff. Okay, Tyler, we're, we to go to part two. Uh, we will have plenty of draft talk coming in part two. But uh, please subscribe to this podcast. Follow Tyler, follow me, and we'll see you uh, tomorrow with more takes.